0: Log Talk Radio. <laughs>
1: Sheena Sheena Hello Karen Hi Sheena Oh profuse apologies Um, (laughs) Like about Five minutes, it, you know, I got your email, I know we had some difficulties this morning with with uh, connection and that sort of thing, and then uh, it must have been three, four minutes before the show was scheduled to start, our whole neighborhood lost electrical power, which meant the internet went down, which meant the phones oh, no. went down, oh, so I'm God. thinking... I, I know. It's like a miracle you and I are actually talking here. <laughs> um, I, I, I mean it was like the end of the world for a moment. Go
0: ahead. I, I panicked because I you were you were um you were panicking about not being able to use Skype and I thought, Well, you don't have to use Skype. All I have to do is ring you using Skype. Um but anyway I'm on my landline now so um yeah okay, and I got, okay. talk, I got through to the radio and it was I could hear all the music you know the, the music um but you couldn't hear me and so that must have been <laughs> okay. when the phones were out was it Yes, yes, absolutely, uh, because I didn't have
1: a way to go in and shut down the show or notify you or oh, anything, no. <laughs> so, um, yeah. so anyway, you know, uh, listeners are hearing our behind-the-scenes uh, trials and tribulations this morning, uh, but it happens, you know, it happens. Uh, we're yeah. at the mercy of technology, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it worked out, you know. All.
0: Um, certainly but, all, yeah, we yeah.
1: all. It kind of felt like, you know, dystopian end of the world stuff, you know, with nothing
0: working. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I thought we were destined not to actually connect for some reason, but um, <laughs> well, it's it's almost magical that we are talking now.
1: <laughs> there you go, there you go. Let's let's, um, you know, that'll be our story. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's it, yeah, well,
1: yeah. Well,
0: magic happens well, all the like time.
1: You- well, and you know, our show topic is the madness and the magic, right? So we just wrapped it right back around. <laughs> yes. Yes, I see. Okay, did. well. Yes, all right, so let's uh, let's yes. do this show then, Sheena. Um, and you know, if listeners okay. haven't figured it out yet, um, you know, you're calling in from the UK. I sure appreciate that. I know that's a a bit extra effort. And um, you know, we're going to talk about uh, you today because um, you know this um, this magical path has been one that has informed your entire life. You know, unlike a lot of people who sort of just do it on the side. Um, you're the author of Witchlit. Um, You know the. You know you also have the magic of uh, nature or a cloud. You're a singer-songwriter with the pagan band Morgan's Path. And if you have yeah. a radio on in the background, I can hear myself talking. <laughs> um, if there's a way you can shut that off, that would be great. Um, um, uh, so I, I I don't hear the radio on in
0: the background.
1: Me. Yeah, the sounds. Sounded like there was something in the background. I, I could hear. I could hear me a second delayed. Uh, but anyway, so let's let's that finish telling be, listeners it, about probably, you. Because,
0: that's probably the landline, um, Karen. That's the connection, I think.
1: Okay. All right. Well we'll just work through it if, if that's what it is. Um Yeah, uh, so let's see. Yeah. Some of the you know, you're you know, you're an energy worker, obviously, um, you know, being on the path, but you're also a healer, a, a Reiki master and uh a reader and teacher of the tarot and uh modern witchcraft. And your new that's book it, yeah. out. Um so so, um tell me if I understand this right. Your new book and your your podcast
0: is called The Witch Wavelength. Yeah, the book the the Witch Wavelengths I bought out, um, last year, beginning of last year, it was about in bulk. And um that was that was my first non fiction book and I decided that after I'd written that first book that I wanted to carry on. It just felt like it could be a series. So about halfway through writing that first book, or when I first bought it out last year, my husband and I decided that we, um, you know, we do a lot of things together. We do the music together. We've got all the recording gear in our little studio here, which is like combined with my office. So it's completely full of books and musical instruments and computers and all kinds of things and we thought well we've got we've got all our equipment on hand what well, let's do a podcast because we we know how to do all that um and use the podcast to kind of soft you know promote our music promote the writing um and so we called it the witch wavelength after that first book and it's just kind of stuck really okay well cool so uh, so, let me ask you, is this a
1: hereditary path for you? I mean, was this something your mother and grandmother did, or did you discover it in in your at in your life at some point
0: yeah no i am not that I'm aware of I'm not aware, Karen, that there was any hereditary um generational sort of connection not not relatively. Um, recently, in the last few hundred years, anyway, perhaps if we go back further, I mean, we all know that you know, if you go back further, in every as far back as in anybody's family line, there'll be a shaman or a witch there somewhere, won't they? <laughs>
1: well, or um, at least a healer and an herb woman or exactly. something like that, you know? Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly, yeah. It, exactly. But nothing that I'm actually aware of. I think that um, what really I mean, I've always loved nature, I've always loved being outside, Um, always had animals in my family, dogs and cats, and I had a whole career, um, 35 years, with horses. Um, So, you know, animals have always featured greatly in my life. So it it seemed, and then I became very interested in astrology when I was a kid, Um, and started reading the tarot that was like a portal into the magical arts really Um, and once i had kind of got my foot in the door with tarot and i'm totally fascinated with the world of of imagery and symbolism and realized that working with the cards i could somehow connect um with 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 other people, you know, I could connect on a, on a psychic level, so it's always felt very natural to me, um, right. and so no wonder, you know, and then I, uh, kind of, yeah, so that was my first sort of step in, step towards the path, really, and then, um, my brother, I had a, tr- quite a, a thing happen in my, when I was just 21, uh, I lost my brother in a road accident, and, um... I think when something happens like that at such a young age um it kind of set me on a very different path then a much more spiritual more more that i was aware of spirit um path and you know i wanted to know what happened to my brother i wanted to know if there was an afterlife and um so then i sat in lots of circles lots of development spiritual development circles worked with a lot of mediums Um, And and then about 25 years ago, I realized that that combination of spirituality and nature, you know, there was a name for it. (laughs) There was was witchcraft, and um, it just felt like such, um, it resonated on such a deep level for me, and I just found that I gravitated towards other people who were witches and in the craft, and that's yeah. when I joined a coven. That's when I joined a coven. and Because, you know, you can learn a lot of this stuff through books, and I, I've always loved books, and I do learn a lot of things from books. But I think with the craft, you do need to, you do need to be with others, you know, at some point yeah. along the way. You need to be with others, and you need to learn from, from more experienced people. You need to actually be there and work in ritual, don't you think?
1: Well, yeah, I think, you know, to feel the energy, um, you know, there are yes. some things that are so hard to language, and, um, and you know, and maybe some people don't even want to put it in books, you know. Um, but uh, but let me ask you, do you work with a particular Tarot deck that you're a fan of?
0: Oh, God, that's a cr- – <laughs> I've got so many decks. <laughs> okay, okay. That's Enough like, said. That's I get like it. asking an author. That's like asking an author what their favourite book is. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I get um, it. Um, so, where yeah, did you come
1: I, I to, do, you, Sheena? That, you know, when when you said you wanted to find out about your brother, did you did you end up with a theory after
0: um, you know that journey? Um, I'd say that I'm still on that journey, Karen. I'm still, yeah, I mean, there's certainly working with um, in spiritual development circles and being with other mediums, um, I think there was a certain um, awakening to how spirit communicates with us.
1: Mm -hmm. Um,
0: And I did receive sort of evidence of that communication Sometimes, but it's never been, it's never made me be, con- I've, n- I've never been convinced. I've never been convinced yeah. through, through what somebody has told me. But what does convince me is that um, I'm pretty sure when I'm working with music, um, with lyrics, with the music... Um, that there is some there is a connection that you know that inspiration is definitely spiritual now you could su- whether that is my brother i don 't know because my brother was a very good musician he was a very good guitarist, and we were very close and enjoyed going to gigs together and playing together and all that kind of thing so it wouldn 't be it wouldn't be surprising to think that if he was going to communicate beyond the grave with me, it would be through something like music. Do you know what I mean? Well, let me tell
1: you this, and it's it's something I learned from one of my guests, and it makes a whole lot of sense to me, and maybe you've even come to it yourself. Um, that flow you're in when you are in that creative process um, you're yeah. vibrating on a different wavelength and um and i've been told that when you are in the creative process in the flow in the zone, however you say it there in the u k that that opens you up to these other dimensions to be able to channel download whatever you you might call it, so you know you might very well be right you know if there's anything to that theory.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think so. I, it's the closest, Karen, it is the closest I can, I can come to saying to you, yes, that's, that's the connection there, I'm pretty sure, um, yeah. because I don't know if you've listened to any of our music, but it's um, any of Morrigan's Path music, but it is deeply spiritual, and okay, so I've, I've, I'm very inspired by the Morrigan. You know, she's my favourite goddess. Um, but you know, um, I don't know. It, it goes. It, it's it's multi-layered. Those connections are multi-layered. It's you know, you could say it's to to other people. It's to the land. It's to the deities. It's to it's to you know but it's it's all sacred as far as i'm concerned you know when you're like you say when you're on that vibe when you're resonating on that vibration because we're all energy aren't we we're all energy and vibration and music certainly does open up a channel and um something magical happens and that's as much as i can say really (laughs)
1: you know, I think, <laughs> no i yeah i think i i get it and i think somebody else who's experienced may get it and uh maybe those listening will look out for it now you know when they're um you know maybe maybe the next time they're in, a, in, in their creative process maybe they'll feel it and they'll go ah that's what they were talking about um but but let me um you know I want to talk about uh you know your work but but just to, but I'm curious about this I want to just sort of get it out of the way cuz you're in a different country than us do you have to be underground with your magical arts um you know is is the, is the is the w word as we say here sometimes can that get you into trouble in the UK or you don't have the you know the religious right breathing down your neck like you know, some uh, some states here in in the United States do.
0: No, I from what the impression I get from what you've just said, I don't think so. I think we have um, we have it a lot easier than you do over there on on those on that level, um, but. There is definitely a a bit of stigma attached to to witchcraft over here, although people are opening up and coming above the radar, you know, raising their heads yeah. above the pul- the pulpit. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah.
0: I mean, for, but but we we I I mean I still experience it to a degree, i.e. Um, I live in a very small village on the southeast coast of the UK, and it's, it's very remote. It's a beautiful village. Um, we've got a seventh-century old Anglo-sort of Celtic chapel um, that I visit daily, just on the beach with my dogs, and it's it's deeply magical. But we've got my my two sons went to um, the local church school, uh, which is just round the corner from where we live, and. When they were... Hold- I remember when they... I mean, my boys are both sort of in their early 20s now, although they still live with us. But when they were at school, at junior school... Um, they had like a pamper evening um, one night and you could you know you could have a little table and you could do you could ha- trade whatever you you did and i I asked if I could have a have a stall so that I could do my readings and um, I was refused you know very kindly very no- politely but um I was not allowed to do that because it was a church school um, right, so there is right. still this kind of miss this you know, yeah, there is still this misunderstanding, yeah. should we say. I
1: yeah. think people
0: fear what they, they, they fear what they don't understand, don't they, don't you think?
1: Yeah, absolutely, because I think if they really knew what a witch was instead of, you know, looking at 1970s movies or listening to <laughs> fear mongers on the pulpit, um you know yeah. i i think they would you know they would realize you know what r- witches really are and they would think that well you know you're a lot more hooked up and connected to the earth and the animals on the planet and you know you yeah, care about course. spirituality and all of this stuff i think maybe oh. they would have some ad- have some admiration even you know um but you know like you said people don't know what they don't know so
2: um
1: no, that's, that's right so, yeah, yeah, and it's hard,
0: and my husband, you know, it's hard my, to... husband, my husband and I had a hand fasting um, back in 2013, and we we did, we had a beautiful hand fasting in one of my clients. I was teaching riding at the time. One of my clients was a farmer, and she let us have her field, which was right by a, a river, and we had a big marquee, and we, we had all the music, all our friend, all our musician friends were there, and we had a beautiful ritual, And a lot of our friends came who didn't really understand what witchcraft was or what paganism was or, you know, even what hand-fasting was. And uh, so many of them said afterwards, wow, that was beautiful, that was such a wonderful (laughs) experience, you know? Yeah. And having not had any idea what it was going to be like, um, they were totally blown away by it because it is. I mean, when you see people... In ritual, especially a hand fasting, it's such a lovely celebratory occasion, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. And, uh, um, you know, that to me is what my magic is all about. It's about celebration, celebration and healing and inspiration and creativity and and all the great things that we come to deserve to do and ex- and to experience, you know. Um, yeah, it's it's hard to really spit. look at that. Yeah,
1: it's hard to look at yeah, that I, stuff and say, nah, nah, nah. That's not for me. You know that I, I'm, I, I'm. That's a bad thing, or I'm afraid of that. You know, once you actually, you know, like you said, get a taste of it.
0: Yeah, and they realise that there'll be nobody sacrificing babies, or you know, whatever <laughs> it is. I mean, it's all. It, but like as you said earlier, it's all sensationalism, and it's all kind of you know, real dated sort of um, preconditioning now, isn't it, really?
1: Well, you know, I used to think that, and I still do so to a certain extent, and I think it varies, but, um, you know, I have really been amazed at the stuff. Uh, it seems Americans, some Americans, believe these days. Um, it's like their critical thinking is just shut down. They will believe anything. I mean, you got the QAnon movement here, where they think you know the JFK and uh, Michael Jackson, you know, they're they're not really dead and they're going to show up at a stadium. Um, I mean, oh the stuff God. that people. I, I mean, honestly, the stuff that people believe now, they they're they're scary, you know, because it's like, how do you? Communicate with people who are not operating on any logical basis. You know, um, that's scary to me. (laughs) Um, But uh, anyway, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully, uh, there are not as many uh out there um uh, you know sometimes I just think their voices are loud, but maybe they 're not as um as many as sometimes it seems um because uh wow i i just I just didn't know that there were so many folks in the United States that um held the beliefs um that it seems they do uh you know anyway sounds like there's
0: a lot of ungrounded sounds like there's a lot of ungrounded people because that's kind of what it boils down to doesn't it really i mean if you're not grounded in who you are and where you are then you'll believe you will believe anything won't you yeah, I mean, you know, they're
1: saying, you know, the Pew Institute here, you know, they, you know, they're kind of like the Bureau of Statistics, and you know, they say that uh, people are leaving organized religion, um, you know, in droves, uh, more or less. I'm paraphrasing, you know, uh, but it, but, to, but I, I wonder if they're, you know, they I, I mean, I can see leaving organized religion for all the hypocrisy that exists there, you know, because it doesn't seem to be about. You know Jesus's message of love anymore you know it's more about prosperity gospels and the connection to capitalism you know to me uh you know and that that's sort of the antithesis of what Jesus was about, but but if they're giving it up to become a part of a movement that's not based in reality, well, but then you could say, you know, some people might say, well, is religion based in reality, but yet I'm thinking, you know, if they're giving it up to become a QAnon member or to go deep down a conspiracy hole, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, you know, there's a lot a lot of people that think uh, people in Hollywood or, you know, grooming kids to—you know, grooming kids to uh, be gay or pedophiles or eat babies or—I mean, this—the this stuff is just outrageous that you hear. Um, but anyway, I, I, I hope we can get past it, which kind of brings me back to your tarot reading. Um, you know, lately I've become really enamored of a particular reader uh, on YouTube, and um, if you ask me her name, I won't I won't remember it. Um, but she always does, you know, she does these predictions, and I wonder, do you ever use your tarot, you know, to like predict what's going to happen politically or, or, or anything like that, or do you use it differently?
0: No, I mean, I must admit, I was um, I was doing a reading yesterday for a friend, and um, I always ask people what they, you know, what they want to get out of the reading, what their intention is, and she did actually sort of admit that she wanted to know what was going to happen in the future, um, and I said, well... <laughs> I've always said that I don't work with with prediction, you know because I mean you can work with the cards to to read somebody's energy and in somebody's energy there will be there will be that the past will be in their energy you know it, it all depends how much they're still carrying, but there will still be energy from the past in their field as well as the future, the probabilities of what's round the corner, you know, but really our point of power lies in the present moment, so I'm more interested and I work with the cards and it doesn't matter whatever people want to know, whether it's to do with family and friends or whether it's to do with relationships, whether it's to do with career, whether it's to do with the spiritual path, um, I will always work with, in that point of power in the present moment. Um, But depending on what cards come up, and then it's always a combined effort with the other person. We can talk about what's just happened, you know, where they've come from, um, and where they're heading. But you know what they what i try and get across to people is that our you know the present moment is where our power is because we can change we can create the future from that moment we can change our attitudes about the past we can't change what happened in the past but we can change our attitude towards it and consequently that is where you're in the realm of the healing energies then because you're helping people to let go of you know past Wounds or trauma, and depending on how much they are carrying in their bodies, um, and how um, responsive and receptive they are to the guidance, um, you can work with that, you know. Um, But I mean, there will always be. If I feel that what I've what I've got in front of me, um, I can't deal. You know, you can't fix everything. Um, So sometimes I'll just be like a way shower. I'll be just like, well, you know, I've I've given you as much as I can from this, but I think you should go and see so-and-so. You know, maybe you'd be better off with a hypnotherapist. Maybe you'd be better off going and getting some therapy in another modality, you know, Um, because tarot doesn't fit. Doesn't, tarot doesn't fit all boxes, but I've found that it is a really good signpost for people, and it does really help people to get clear on what they want, you know, because most of the time, many, most people don't know what they want. They, they, they haven't got a clear <laughs> idea of what it is, you know. So I, right. I like to try, try and work with them to sort of get down... You know to bring to the surface what what they what's hidden because that's what divination is all about, you know bringing to the surface, making known the unknown, and sometimes you, can't well, always and you know well, we can't well, always you know the think- answers. Well, and and I was
1: going to say, Sheena, too, you know, uh, well, I was going to say, too, as far as predictions go, um, are you of the mind that um, things are in flux, and, you know, and you may think you're seeing uh, the future, but circumstances could potentially change, and and if somebody is going to use the cards to do a reading of the future, um, it doesn't mean that it's written in stone Either, right I mean uh, uh, do you think that if uh, you know other c- circumstances could change which would make the reading uh, maybe look inaccurate even
0: absolutely absolutely I mean look how you know if somebody we never know what's going to happen to us do we Not really um, <laughs> you know it <sighs> I was taught, I, I said these very words to this friend of mine yesterday, you know, I said, nobody knows when they're going to leave this mortal coil. Nobody really knows. They think they might have more of an idea if they've got a terminal illness, you know, they think that it might be closer, um, and it will certainly feel like it's closer, but, you know, what about people that have accidents, you know, it, it, that, that's... It's not, illness isn't the only thing that takes us over to the other side, is it, Karen? So how can you tell somebody, really? I, 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 think, I think that it's a, it, that, that kind of terity, territory for me feels like it's it's too unknown. I, I wouldn't want to to make any certain, and like, predictions about anything. When you're in unknown territory like that, um yeah. And like as you say nothing is written written in stone we we have the power to change to change yes but the the, yeah. the point yeah. is with, with the point the point is with many people it's getting them to understand that where you have to work from is yourself you have to work with with you and your inner self if you want to create change on the outside Do you know what i mean
1: yeah
0: and yeah so many people you know that that comes with experience i think doesn't it i think so i
1: think so because so many of us um i i would you know i don't think it's it's um it, it's inaccurate to say that so many of us don't really even know who we are uh because yes. we've grown up you know uh, our parents tell us who we are you know our friends tell us who we are you know maybe um, you know, society and culture tells us who we are. And, um, I, I, you know, I, I think there are a lot of people out there who never find their authentic self because they're playing a role that, uh, you know, based on other people's expectations, you know.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Other people's expectations, um, conditioning, you know, subconscious programming from a very early age. You know, um, I mean, yeah. more often than not, we don't really understand why we behave or why we feel and why we develop these patterns of behavior or thinking or, or whatever it is, um, because most of it is learned behavior from such a young age that we, we can't recall that those kind of, you know, because what the conscious mind doesn't reject, the subconscious mind accepts. Yeah, That's what I've well, learned now, so yeah. far anyway.
1: Well, and now you're starting to get into the territory of my new book, Normalizing Abuse. But we'll we'll save that oh, for really? your podcast.
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: we'll we'll save that for your podcast. I want to talk about well, you yeah, as I'm a writer. I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> Um, so tell me, um, well, Sheena, you know what, uh, before we, we start going on this uh, down this new path here, um, I have a commercial here for one of my good friends, Joe Carson. So give me a minute. Let me share this with listeners. And when we come back, I want to talk about what the inspiration was uh, for you to become a writer and for your first book, okay? But first, uh, here's, a com- here's a commercial um, for Celebrate Wildness from Joe Carson.
2: This is from Jonathan Nightshade, a Gardnerian high priest of the Whitecroft line, a traditional craft practitioner and researcher, writing about Joe Carson's book Celebrate Wildness, Magic, Mirth, and Love on the Ferris Area Path. I love this book, how special this work is and how appreciated. As someone who was young in the 1970s, and through the years only found snippets of information on Ferifaria, one of the first modern pagan paths, this book comes as an artistic revelation of the core practices of the way of the Goddess and Gods reborn for the next age of the Divine Maiden. She has clearly introduced the historical background, philosophy and ritual practices of the joyous wilderness mysteries of the fairy faith. Illuminated by the marvelous pagan art of Ferraferia's founder, Fred Adams. I was very pleased that the high quality production of this oversized volume makes it a collectible work of art, as well as a testament to the visionary philosophy of Fred Adams. I feel blessed that I received a copy. I will treasure it and look forward to the next book for more of the deep philosophy and ritual practice of Ferraferia.
1: Celebrate Wildness is a dense art book quality hardcover book. You can get it for just $45 from the Ferraferia website at org. That's F-E-R-A F-E-R-I-A dot org. And uh, just a little tidbit about uh, my new book uh, that came out in May uh, for Mental Health Awareness Month. It's called Normalizing Abuse. And I hope you'll go to Amazon and uh, get yourself an ebook or a paperback. It takes the reader on a serious yet heartfelt journey of discovery, not just of uh, their own life. Uh, encourages you to look back and, uh, and see what might have been. Uh, but also looks into many aspects of our everyday lives, such as academia, government, the workplace, society and culture, religion, corporations, uh, et cetera, et cetera, uh, to peel back the veneer which hides rampant insidious abuse and exploitation that we have really just begun to accept as normal. It has uh, dozens of prestigious endorsements, a powerful forward, Uh, written by the uh, pioneering spiritual educator Matthew Fox, and uh, Normalizing Abuse is being hailed as a bullhorn for truth-telling, so desperately needed as we are called to stand up and speak truth to those wielding toxic power over us. So please do go to my website, KarenTate.net, or just go to Amazon and uh, pick up your copy of uh, Normalizing Abuse, and I would love to hear from you uh, after you do. So, uh, I am with uh, my guest today, finally, after much trepidation uh, with uh, struggling with technology this morning. I'm with Sheena Kundi. She is calling from the UK, where she lives by the sea with husband Ian, uh, two sons, and three crazy spaniels. And uh, Sheena is just about to tell us um, about her inspiration for writing uh, and um, what made her write her first book.
0: Right. Um, well, I've always been I've always been a writer, Karen. Um, if I look back on my to my childhood, and I'm I just turned sixty last year, so I'm I'm not a, you know I'm not a spring chicken. Um, quite a long time ago, <laughs> but I I used to love writing you know pen letters. I had lots of pen pals. This was this was pre-internet, and um, the art of letter writing was. Something that I just really enjoyed, I just loved writing letters, so you know i 've always enjoyed communicating with people and communicating with words um, just seemed very natural really um, so i I was a great letter writer. I still write letters now to some of my friends, even now, so which you know um, and I, when I was at school, I really enjoyed writing sort of stories and poems. Poetry um, really spoke to me. And, um, you know, I've I've since sort of come to realize that that poetry is the, you know, and and it's often sort of said, isn't it, that it's the language of the soul. And and I still do write the odd poem. Well, I suppose my poems then turned into songs. um, And that's how my music came to be. but, so, so writing has always been something which has been, that's come in many different formats, you know, the letter writing, mm-hmm. the poetry, the songwriting, um, and about ten years ago I thought, well, you know, I'm doing all this lovely writing and it's all, and it's great, and it's a hobby, and I'd really like to do something, I'd like to have a bit more of a serious direction, so I joined a creative writing class, my local, um, local sort of, country college, and, um, and loved it, and, and and absolutely loved it. And although there were lots of hobby writers there, we were, we were all hobby writers, but there was a lot of people there that just went for the fun, you know, just went for a bit of um, socialise, I suppose, as well. But I was quite ambitious, and when, when the teacher said, oh, what do you want to do, you know, he asked us what we wanted to do when we first arrived, I said, well, I want to be published, I, I want to get my work published. Um, so and that's what i did i mean without sort of going into um everything but i i managed to um find a a, the pagan imprint of um john hunt publishing which is they're called moon books and um, i was writing a monthly blog on their um, blog my um a chapter from this book that i was writing um, when I hit the age of 50, I'd, I was told by a friend of mine about um, this online challenge called NanoRimo, which is an annual challenge every year in the month of November to, to anybody who wants to write a 50,000-word story, novel. And um, I thought, oh, that sounds interesting. Um, and my friend told me this about... Two days before the first of November, and so I'd had no, no time really to prepare what I was going to write, and uh, and so I thought, well, I'll just pull it out of the ether. I'll just I'll just base it on what I know really. So I wrote a story about a crazy menopausal witch and her ridiculous antics to snare the lo- local guitar-playing vicar. And uh, which was basically, basically, I was taking the the Mickey out of myself, you know. But and it was all stuff that I knew, you know. I, so and that, and that's how Minerva came into being, really. And that was the madness and the magic. And and that coincided with a time in my life when I was, yeah, I was just coming to the brink of the the, the menopausal hill um, of wretched hormones, and I had a terrible time of it. And um, writing became my remedy. I wrote that that story as a way of um, just distracting myself, really, from the perils of um, the dreaded menopausal disease. And <laughs> and it worked, and it did work. So did you, you know? Did, because, you, did um, you win? And I would. Did you? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, <laughs> just about. Uh, and and it was great because I used, you know. I used everything that I, that I knew um, about the path, the magical path, and I worked with, with the tarot cards. I mean, Minerva is, she reads the tarot, you know. She reads the tarot and she drinks lots of brandy and um, she, she does the most ridiculous things. But each time she did a, a tarot reading, I worked, I did a spread. Um, with, I worked with my tarot cards and that would dictate the direction of the story. Um, wow. So each wow. each tarot reading in the book, in the stories, um, are are genuine tarot readings, um, and cool. so that it it couldn't have been more magical than that. And all the all the characters, all the female female characters in the madness and the magic are are, are named after goddesses. So you've got Minerva, who is the Roman goddess, and you've got her best friend Isis. Who is you know that they they go to belly dancing um, classes together and Isis has, has got this Egyptian fetish and she you know she wears all this Egyptian garb and um, yeah <laughs> she's quite she's quite she's ne- absolutely neurotic but they they do have they do have some fun together and um, Minerva's daughter is called Rhiannon um and the minerva's story of you know her relationship with this crazy with the, with the guitar playing vicar there's because kind of this question mark over will she or won't she snare him you know how, how are they going to get on him being a vicar and her being a witch but somehow they do um and and you've got underlying the story of her daughter who is just really opening up psychically so she 's beginning to have these kind of spiritual spiritual experiences and um, but also at the same time she discovers she 's pregnant and um, oh dear anyway j- yes yeah. so there's lots it's of all- things going on and it's all it's all quite magical but it's all very mad as well and but it's very well, light hearted and, it- and it's very light-hearted and i had such a great time writing it that i wrote another two so there's three in that series the three in the witchlit series so it sounds like uh, you, you jammed a lot into those uh,
1: 50,000 words
0: <laughs> yeah i did it i did it in a in a month and um yeah and then trevor greenfield from <laughs> from uh, moonbook said to me well it sounds it sounds like it's a good fun story I tell you what if you want to publish um, a chapter a month on our blog and then at the end of the year do that for about a year at the end of the year you can then submit your this book to us and I can't promise that we'll publish it but you know you can so I thought that was a great opportunity and so every month I sent up a chapter of you know that I'd edited after that first draft and um it was really good practice for me karen because i'd never had that practice of of well, a writing a fifty thousand word story anyway and b editing it you know so because yeah it's 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 all it's all a process isn't it uh, and at the end right, of the right. year they did they did publish me so i was very fortunate to be published with moon books and they don't normally publish many much fiction um, it's normally, I mean, because you're, you're with, um, are you with O-Books or were you with O-Books? <clears throat> well, you know, I,
1: I started with John Hunt like in probably 2005 when it was just O-Books. and um, okay, And yeah. then, they devi- they, then they divided into imprints. <clears throat> and I was with uh, Changemakers for a while. And now they've moved my books over to O-Books. And uh, so I know Trevor, uh, but uh, I haven't had anything published with them in a while um, because, you know, they went to this hybrid. Uh, you know, so now we'll start talking about publishing a little bit. You know, they, they you know, they have these different ways to get published, and you know, um, it, and it didn't used to be like this in 2005. In 2005, they either published you or they didn't. And uh, and I actually knew John Hunt. Uh, he was the one that published um, my Walking an Ancient Path book, uh, which was my second book after uh, the book I wrote, Sacred Places of Goddess, 108. So John Hunt actually approved my first book with O Books, and uh, and then I did an anthology, and, uh, and then I did Goddess Calling, which was inspirational messages and meditations from these sacred Sunday services that we did for a few years. It was kind of like Goddess Church. Um, but then they, they went to a new way of doing things and, um, you know, it, almost like a vanity press in a way where it's this hybrid between you pay them a certain amount of money uh, to put toward the cost of the book and they uh, they do a portion of it. So it's this collaboration. And honestly, I've never wanted to do that. I, I you know, no. if I have to do that, I would rather get – you know, I'd rather go to Amazon independently publish yep. and get all the royalties myself because, exactly. you know, we have to market the books anyway, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. I, I can remember reading your, your was it your second book, The Walking an Ancient Path? Is that your second book?
1: Yes, yes.
0: I That was one of the first books that I read about sort of goddess spirituality, and I loved it. And I can remember... I'm pretty sure that I reviewed that on Amazon. Um, so I loved it so much. And and I looked for it the other day on my bookshelf, so I can't find it. So, mind you, I've got a lot of books. So it could be, <laughs> it could be behind something else. But, no, I loved that book. And, um, no, you're right. I think I would be exactly the same. I'd rather either be published or I would be, you know, like I'm doing now, I, I decided to to publish myself and got the rights back from that first book because I realise, like you've just said, that actually after the initial initial euphoria of being traditionally published, you realise, don't you, that actually you've still got to do all this work. <laughs> you've yeah. still got to promote yourself and have a social media presence and you know yeah. and it was great it was great it was great from the point of view I loved being with Moon Books from the point of view that it that I was introduced, you know, I, I came into contact with other authors, which which has stood me in good stead, because I'm still in contact with those authors, you know, which is great. But I realised that actually, um, you know, from the royalties' point of view, I could do the same amount of work, probably more if I was going to publish myself, um, and and still get you know, 70% royalties as opposed to, what, 15 20% royalties with a traditional publisher. Um, right, and, right. So... And... and-
1: yeah. And I mean and look and I don't I, I don't know you know I may be overlooking um, something um, but uh, but I don't and yeah I mean it's that additional eu- that initial euphoria of yes I'm a published writer and to, I, I mean but look you know I am probably still in the red um, from the money I laid out to do uh, you know for for my first book you know I just went all out with this book tour and did all of these things traveled to other cities and gave talks, and I I could probably live two lifetimes and never recoup the money that I spent on that book tour selling books, you know what I mean? Um, But I, um, but yeah, I mean, but it opens doors that you normally would not have opened if you didn't have a book published. But I think today, you know, there isn't the stigma that there used to be in 2005 when I started. Um, you know, there was still a stigma back then about independently publishing that I don't think exists today. Maybe in some circles, you know. I mean, if yeah, if you're on the New York Times bestseller list or something like that, but you know, we, but you know, we're not we're not that category of writer, I don't think, and we probably never will be. Um, so I think for us, you know, as as um, you know, m- middle tier authors, um, we're probably better off just self-publishing, you know, because it doesn't have the stigma of self-publishing anymore.
0: No, I think you're right. And also, I think the the, um, the amount of information and education there is now in the self-publishing world, particularly over the last sort of 10 years, um, you know, you can... With all, with all the courses that there are out there, and, and I've taken a few, you know, and I, I've um, got to know other other indie authors, and it's like any other field of um, vocation, you know, you talk about, oh, what what are the best tools, you know, so I've, I've got to a point now where I'm using pretty good tools, you know, I use good software, I use, I've, I use a good formatting software and writing software. Um, I I, I've, I've, I can earn enough now to outsource my editing and my um, book cover design because I think those are the two main things that if you can afford to pay somebody, then you need to do it, to be professional. Yeah. You need to have your book professionally edited and professionally designed. Um however however let let me interject here i I
1: will say that in and i don't know if you know about it yet and maybe you don't agree and that's okay. there is a new program out called canva c a n v a that i yeah. just, uh a friend you know that you can probably you know you can make a killer cover on canva um and so you might actually be able to do something really nice um yourself but then you you know but then it still has to fit the parameters you know uh, the formatting issue comes up, but you know you, uh, you you may be able to create something beautiful on canva
0: no i think I think you're absolutely right. I love canva, I absolutely love canva. I use it all the time for my social media posts. I did a lovely social media post um, well did one yes last week and I did one today um, and i do you know and it looks pretty pretty professional <laughs> and um yeah i mean absolutely i love canva um, but with the first my first three uh witchlet books when i did them myself i didn't outsource i did the, the editing myself because i was bootstrapping i couldn't afford to pay for an editor i couldn't really afford to pay for a proper designer so i i got somebody on a on a, a website called fiverr and um, they have some brilliant people on there, you know, and that was really good experience, um, working with somebody, I think she was in Germany, and I wo- I'd never worked with a graphic designer before, I'd never had to really talk about what I wanted, and it was really good experience, you know, I think working with anybody in a collaborative way, don't you think, um, whether it's for imagery, design, or whether it's for writing, you know, whether you're working with an editor. it's. I just love it. I love that form of communication. I think it's how we get better writers. I think it's how we become better communicators. Um, and it's why I love self-publishing so much, because you've got that kind of scope um, and um, you've got the opportunity to work with other people that in yeah. a way that you don't always get with a traditional publisher well not the, uh, not the, yeah. I, I mean I only was ever published with one publisher so I don't I can't speak for you know maybe if you're with a one, one of the big 5 you know and you get your own editor and you you get that kind of um input yeah, per, per, personal input, but I I didn't sort of experience that with with Moonbox. Although I you know I didn't get any I didn't get treated badly. I didn't get treated badly at all. I loved it, but. I just wanted to. I've always, I've always been independent, Karen. We've, you know, Ian and I, and with our music, we've always independently published our music. We've never, we've never been signed up or contracted to anybody else. So when you're used to working for yourself, it's very difficult (laughs) working. You know, you'd much rather be working for yourself. Yeah, yeah, I get that. I totally do.
1: Well listen, we're about to run out of time um, so but I do want to ask you about your music just a little bit um, uh, we'll go We'll go over a little bit here, but uh, I don't want to leave that out so your mu uh, you know you're a duo, I guess, uh, or are you a band, Morgan's
0: Path? No, we're a band we're we're a four piece band. We did start in and I were a duo for um quite a few years and um and that was great. He's always been in bands all his life when he was a a teenager, but I I was a closet singer and it's only when Ian and I got together um, that I actually had the confidence to sing um, and, you know, those poems that became songs. So we were a duo for about five or six years and and went out and did the pubs and clubs and festivals. But I always wanted to be in a band. And I said to him, you know, I want, I want to add on. I want more members. So, yeah, so that happened about seven or eight years ago. And we've been a band ever since. So, um, and, you know, there's nothing more magical to me, Karen, than actually sharing your creativity with other people you know, yeah, uh, when you've yeah. got a band and they, y- your band becomes like a family, you know, you get so close and um, you know, it's again it's that wavelength thing, when you're all in that same vibration you're mm-hmm. all sort of, and you make music together and there is nothing more magical than that to me, you know to, to to write these words and to come up with a tune and that's the bones of it and then to have these other wonderful talented human beings who Contribute in their own individual ways and styles, and using their own instruments, it's um, to come out with that sort of collective sound that we do. I, I you know, couldn't ask for for more really. It's it's um, so, it's a real so where can, where can listeners where can listeners hear Morgan's Path? Um, you can stream us. Our music's on Spotify or Amazon or Apple or um, yeah, but if so you, you can stream us. We're on Bandcamp as well. You can download our two albums. Um, but if you go to my website, which is sheenacundy.com, um, there's, a, there's a page with the Morrigans, all the Morrigan's past sort of um, things on there. <coughs> uh, or if you go on Instagram or Facebook... Um, I've always got the links to the music on both of my Instagram and um, Facebook pages, so I'm Treehouse Magic, I'm Treehouse Magic on Instagram, Treehouse Magic on, on Facebook, and there'll be links to the music from there, but um, yeah, so we and, and obviously on, on the podcast, the Witch Wavelength podcast, Ian and I often play and talk about the music on there, so that's pretty morrigan's path um heavy (laughs) um okay and we you know we 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 get other guests on and it's lovely anybody who's on the witch wavelengths is in that magical vibration you know because i love learning about magic expresses itself in people's lives so um you know again you've (laughs) got books you've got uh, and and your books can
1: be found at SheenaKundi.com as well
0: yeah that, that, yeah it, that, that's the main hub Karen is my my website sheenacundy.com, dot com and you'll find all the links to the books that the amazon um you know pages are all on there. Okay. Yeah. Well, Sheena, it's been it's been fun chatting
1: with you. Uh, you know, our our interview was a little bit unorthodox, but it was a whole lot of fun for me. <laughs> um, and um, you know, I'm so glad we got it together this morning, and uh, we actually connected, and we didn't have to cancel. Um, so thank you for so so much for the effort you put out uh, to make it to the show this morning.
0: That's that's that's. Yeah, pleasure's all mine, Karen. Thank you very much for having me. It's been an honor, and um, I look forward to having you on the Which Way the next month. Uh,
1: I, I look forward to that as well. Thank you. So listeners, please go to to Sheena's website, SheenaCundy.com. I'm going to spell it for you, S-H-E-E-N-A-C-U-N-D-Y.com. You will find the band there, which is Morgan's Path. You will find her um, Tarot uh, deck there, which is the uh, Magic of Nature Oracle. You will find the books there, uh, The Madness and the Magic. I believe that's actually a trilogy, so there's some other titles as well and uh, in her newest book the witch wavelength um, you know she's been an awful lot of fun and uh, I think listeners you will have fun if you go to her website and see all that uh, Sheena in her in her madness and creativity has produced there (laughs) thank
0: you so much Sheena for sharing your life with us today thank you thank you for having me Karen it's been it's been great I've really enjoyed it. Lots of love. Okay, back at you, girl. Thank you. Bye-bye.
1: Thank you. Bye. Okay, so if you were uh, here at the beginning and you heard all of our uh, machinations to try to get connected, I thank you for hanging in there with us, and uh, I think uh, you'll feel like uh, you were glad you hung in there to hear the rest of the show. Um, And uh, as we come to a close today, I want to let you know that on the 14th, my guest is going to be uh, Marcia McMahon, and we're going to be talking about uh, Mary Magdalene's Speaks. Uh, then on the 21st, Marilyn Nyborg is with me, and we're going to be talking about A Woman's Guide to Sacred Activism. And the final show of June is Satya Lila, and uh, the topic is The Energetics of Love Play. So thank you, dear listeners, um, for your listener loyalty. And um, uh, please go to my website, uh, KarenTate.net. If you go there, scroll all the way down to the bottom, and uh, there's a little widget there uh, that I wish you would avail yourself of. Uh, If you've been a follower of of my work or a follower of the radio show um, and uh, you would like to show your appreciation for the show or my writing or any of my social justice work, uh, there's a little widget there called Buy Me a Cup. And uh, you can make a small donation uh, once or on a regular basis. Uh, to just say thank you uh, for the work that I do in the world to uh, help keep it going. Because, you know, this show does not, um, you know, I I pay to put this show on the air. Um, I don't make any money on this show. I do this as a service to the community. So if you appreciate it and you want to make sure it stays out in the world, and we keep airing podcasts, it would really be great if uh, you could go to my website uh, and buy me a cup of coffee. Okay, uh, so that about does it for today. I'm glad we actually got the show on the air, and I will be back with you next Wednesday at 11 o'clock Pacific. Thank you so much, and bye-bye.